Taliban continues to gain control of Afghanistan quickly. Just this morning, the Associated Press reports the group captured another two provincial capitals in the southern part of the country. The Taliban overtook the key city of Kandahar yesterday. That is the second largest city in the country, as well as the third largest city of Herat. The New York Times reports Afghan soldiers are deserting the cities in the final days of battle, some of them even changing sides to fight with the Taliban. Residents are fleeing now to Kabul, one of the last cities spared from violence. But some U.S. officials say even the Afghan capital soon may be threatened and fear the Afghan government may completely collapse within 30 days. The Biden administration now is rushing 3,000 troops to the Kabul airport to help with a partial evacuation of the U.S. embassy. The move is described by the AP as a sign of waning confidence in the Afghan government's ability to hold off the Taliban surge. This, as three American officials tell the New York Times, American negotiators are trying to extract assurances from the Taliban they will not attack the U.S. Embassy in Kabul if the extremist group takes over the country's government and ever wants to receive foreign aid. Non-essential personnel had already been withdrawn from the embassy back in April. Despite the accelerated exit, State Department spokesman Ned Price insisted yesterday the United States has not given up on the Afghan people. Yikes. It looks as though history is definitely repeating itself with this one. Now, this story is definitely giving me Benghazi vibes. This story is giving me Yemeni vibes. So we're going to take a deeper dive into what's really going on in Afghanistan, why we really been there as long as we have, and also who is funding these people and who is providing all of the military backing. It's all right. That's why you got me, your girl, because we're going to get into it. So get you your vice, pull up a seat, get on the couch, because we're going to get all the way into it. All right? Stay tuned for this episode of Rondell's Unpopular Opinion. Y'all. <laughs> Welcome to Rondell's Unpopular Opinion, everybody. Welcome to Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Himalaya, Google, um, wherever you were getting this from. Major shout out to you because like I always say, you could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me and I appreciate that and I appreciate each and every one of you. Make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend about this podcast, y'all. So let's get into the topic of conversation because I'm pretty sure everybody heard that intro to this podcast which was a clip from MSNBC, which was, I believe, that may have aired yesterday. Today is August the 13th, Friday the 13th. And I believe that they recorded that or pretty much aired that Thursday, which was the 12th, all right? So what we have placed, <laughs> what we have placed, what we have taken place here, all right, seems to be history repeating itself, right? Before we even get into that, in a nutshell, what MSNBC was saying was, was that Afghanistan is starting to see a takeover by the Taliban militia, all right? And I know it's probably been a while, if you're here in America or in the States, that you've probably heard the Taliban been mentioned, right? I feel like the media has been very saturated in regard to foreign relations 
and we only have been talking about China. We only have been talking about Russia, right? Over the last four years, that's all we've been hearing about. All we've been hearing about is China, Russia, China, Russia, maybe a little sprinkle of Iran, right? Now, over the past summer, where everything happening with Palestine and Israel, we've been hearing a lot about that, right? And maybe a sprinkle of Cuba here and there. But now we're starting to see, you know, Afghanistan come back into the forefront. And I find it very crazy because we are about four weeks or less than four weeks from the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Pay attention because timing is everything. I always tell my following this. I hate to really say my following, but I try to tell my subscribers this a lot, that timing, timing is everything. These people operate off of timing. Timing is everything, all right? Now, what seems to be taking place is the Taliban is moving in on major cities in Afghanistan, and we already know what that does when militia groups move in, right? And they cause chaos and ruckus and fear within the people. What it does is, is it causes people to be nomadic who were once settled, right? So people have to uproot their lives. They have to go there and fear for their life. So people and families are displaced. Everything is pretty much in chaos. And now MSNBC is pretty much stating that they are estimating about 30 days before the, t uh, excuse me, they're estimating 30 days before the Afghani government falls. One of the reasons why they're estimating that is because the Taliban is moving very quickly amongst the state and they're able to move the way they're moving because now people who were once on the side of the government are now flipping to over to the control opposition, which is the Taliban. All right. They're joining the militia and flipping on their country. And we already know that once you start bringing over people from the military, you're not only bringing in trained killers and trained shooters, you are also bringing in a certain level of intelligence as well. Right. You're bringing in all the secrets of the, the government over to the militia now. Right. So this is definitely an issue. This is definitely a problem. And according to MSNBC and several other media platforms that I have looked at, because I love to look at, you know, journalism from overseas to get the other perspective from across the pond to see how they're reporting the media. And this is definitely a problem. Definitely, definitely a problem, because what it's going to entail is another state within the Middle East completely in disarray. In a very short amount of time. Now, according to the MSNBC news clip that you heard, the Biden administration is now trying to alleviate what is going on by sending 3,000 troops over there that are from the United States Marines and from the United States Army to pretty much start evacuating the U.S. Embassy before some shit pops off there. All right? And let me, let me tell you why this is just crazy and how history just repeats itself with certain people in power right it just it, it's astonishing to me now the reason why i state that this is pretty much history repeating itself is because if any of you have been following this podcast or if any of you have followed foreign relations over the past i'm gonna say 10 years closely you will be able to know about how this pretty much mimics not only Benghazi and what happened during President Obama's administration, but 
you would also feel as though this situation is mimicking what took place in Yemen and how Yemen became as this uh, unstable, excuse me, as it has become. All right. And that's been due to, you know, the Saudi led coalition. It's because of the Houthi rebels and the influence that Iran had. You know what I mean? Like you had the Houthi rebels who are native to Yemen. All right. Storming the capital and literally running the president of Yemen out like the dude ran to Saudi Arabia. They kicked his ass all the way up out of there. And what did you have? Back in the Houthi rebels, you had Iranian influence, right? And Saudi Arabia was very scared of that because they pretty much felt like they had the enemy right next door, the devil living next door to them. That's how they saw it, you know? And the fact of, you know, these bigger states trying to overtake and influence smaller states has caused these smaller states to become very destabilized. You know, and this is just honestly no different when it comes to Afghanistan, you know, when it comes to destabilization. Now, as you heard at the end of the MSNBC clip, you heard this administration said that they don't want it to seem like they've forgotten about the Afghani people because this situation has been going on for almost 20 years. We're coming up on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, all right? And it has just been a bloody mess. It has been an expensive mess. And it just seems as though like the past couple of administrations have been really dropping the ball when it comes to foreign policy in the Middle East. You know, everything is about money. Everything is about money and power with these people. And they never admit to any of their wrongdoing at all. So not only during the Obama administration, did we pop off that situation with Yemen and helping destabilize the, the nation, which is completely in utter disarray with Corona on top of that. But that's a whole nother different topic of conversation. We also had the affiliation to Saudi Arabia with the Trump administration, making the bond even stronger with the sale of F-35 jets, stealth war toys being sold to Saudi Arabia to continue the damage in Yemen we also had during the Obama administration the destabilization of Libya, all right? Once Gaddafi was gone, the, the state completely became an utter fucking mess, all right? Or, or let's just say a bigger mess, all right? So the United States has a habitual pathology of coming in or having the military forces somewhere and things becoming a mess, we're not even going to get into the situation with Hillary Clinton in Benghazi, all right? And what happened at the embassy there, all right? Now we have another embassy situation where now they're trying to quickly get rid of the employees and the people who were there working at the embassy because now they know that the pot is bound to boil over, all right? So we definitely need to be paying attention to this because this can be another Benghazi all over again. And by the time this is all over, when the military forces move out, because according to Joe Biden, the plan is to move military forces completely out of Afghanistan. We're going to see how stable or unstable this state is going to be. But this is not looking good at all. 
Now, the most successful way of showing people that you have power over them is showing them that you have the ability to punish them. All right. So I've been doing my research because I really wanted to see how in the hell the Taliban rose to power. How did they become the powerhouse they have become? Where did they get their resources from? All right. Where does it come from? And according to the research that I have done, according to Middle Eastern journalism, they're stating that the Taliban source of income is not in the millions, but in the billions with a B. Right? And the main source of their income, believe it or not, is drugs. All right. And we're going to we're going to step aside because we need to understand how this affects us here at home. All right. And according to Harvard university, more than a hundred plus people die of opioid overdose a day. All right. And this was according to statistics in 2020 and 2019. All right. We're in a, what's called the opioid crisis here in the States or an opioid epidemic. And I'm pretty sure with Corona in the mix, that number has probably far exceeded by now. All right. But according to Middle Eastern journalism, they state, and this is on more than one platform, that drugs is without a doubt one of the biggest sources of the Taliban's income, all right, which totals in between an interval of $1.6 to $3 billion, all right? Afghanistan, please understand, is one of the largest producers and growers of opium, all right? And it is one of the main suppliers of heroin on a worldwide level. So I'm going to repeat that. The Taliban is taking in, I believe this is on an annual basis, of between $1.6 to $3 billion a year, just off of controlling opium in the state. All right. And understand that Afghanistan is one of the largest producers and growers of opium. And the biggest supplier of heroin on a worldwide level. All right. And the cities and regions where the opium is growing in Afghanistan is where the Taliban is in heavy control. All right. Understand that. Another one of their resources is natural resources. They control mine sites. They control minerals and there's resources in that have an equity of about $1 billion. And of course they have foreign funding, right? And that's supposedly between interval, excuse me, not an interval, but that's at an estimate of about $500 million from foreign funding, all right? Now, who are these foreigners that are funding Afghanistan, all right? Rumor has it that it is Pakistan, Iran, Russia, United Arab Emirates, which isn't far-fetched because we already know what happens in Dubai, and we already know that Dubai is pretty much one of the the, the major cities in the Middle East that's considered the Las Vegas of the Middle East. And we already know with all the sex trafficking that goes on there that the drug game is definitely heavy there. All right. 
definitely heavy there. It's not far-fetched that Iran and Pakistan are supporting them in that because geographically they do neighbor each other, right? Another way that they pretty much sustain their wealth is tax extortion, all right, and being hard to track the origination of their funds, which sounds a lot like what people here in America do, right? I just find it very amazing how we have this huge opioid crisis and we've been in Afghanistan for all this time and I'm starting to really think like is the opioid crisis connected to what's going on in Afghanistan? Like are they even probably maybe utilizing military forces to bring that shit over here? You just never fucking know. You know what I'm saying? You never, never know. But um, it is rumored by Middle Eastern journalists and news anchors that China may have an influence over there. And not only China, but Russia. And a lot of people believe that Russia is funding the Taliban when it comes to the military forces as far as the weaponry, right? Because they have to be able to purchase the weaponry from somewhere or somebody. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's imperative to understand where the money is coming from and how are they buying the military armory? Where are they getting it from to control the state? It has to come from somewhere, all right? And they have to have the backing from somebody to terrorize, just like the Houthi rebels had the backing of Iran, the military backing of Iran. They were funneling the, the guns and the militia and all of that. All of that was coming from Iran. This is why Saudi Arabia saw Yemen as a threat when it came to the Houthi rebels that were living there because they felt as though Iran had influence in a state that was right next to them. And this is why the United States military backing meant everything to them because they felt as though they needed to defend themselves. All right. But this is just crazy, y'all. We are definitely going to keep paying attention to this because this can be, we hope not, but we definitely do not want to see another Benghazi. We don't want to see people left behind. We don't want to see people, um, any, any people, whether they are, you know, Afghani or American, we don't want to see innocent people losing their lives over bullshit. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, time will only tell, but I'm really hoping that this is not another Benghazi. And from what it's looking like, though, it looks as though definitely there's going to be some destabilization of the region once and if American forces move out. All right, because if you have people who are in the Afghani military leaving and flipping over to the opposition, that's definitely not a good look. All right, definitely not a good look. And it looks as though the Taliban is going to be controlling the state. But that's all I got for y'all on this one. Make sure that you are following the podcast so you know when the next episode is going to drop. All right, I love y'all. Y'all take care and y'all be well. Peace.